If you would please turn your Bible to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We're getting back to the book of Proverbs. I've been away. I was away last week. We've kind of been back and forth. But we are back and we are on track now in the book of Proverbs. And we can make some headway in this book. I hope that you're, you're gaining some insight. I hope that you're growing as a result of of this book. As we move through it, I hope it becomes more clear to you. That's my purpose here, is that it becomes more clear to you, understandable, so that you can uh, apply it to your life. Let's begin in chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace They will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute or understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And turn away from evil. It will be well. It will be healing to your body and refreshing to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first fruits of your produce, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even the even as the Father corrects the Son in whom He delights. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for this precious Word. Lord, I pray for clarity. I pray for understanding. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just illumine us today and give us a clear vision of this passage so that we can implement it into our lives. It becomes part of us. It becomes part of our routine and our daily life. Part of our thinking, our convictions, our very second nature. Lord, bless our time together in your word. May we discover things that we may not have seen before and allow that discovery to ignite a flame of worship in our own hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start off uh, just with a, a question for you. It's not a question I'm, I'm going to necessarily answer, but I want you to a- ask the question of your own self. I've had to wrestle with this question myself, but what governs your life? What governs your thinking? What uh, thoughts kind of govern the decisions that you make on a daily basis? Or what system of thought, we might say? Is it just the thinking of our day? You just kind of go along with the flow of what everybody else is thinking? Is it conservative thought or liberal thought? or What is it? Or maybe it's just your own thought. You just kind of make things up as you go along. But something is influencing you. Your every thought, your every decision that you make, something is influencing that. And I would trust that it would be God's Word. That's what Solomon wants. That's his push in this passage. That's what his push is really throughout this whole book for his son. Solomon is, is preparing his son, is wanting his son to, to trust his words and to depend upon them. 
and to implement them into his life. And Solomon is now, he has stopped talking about wisdom and now he is starting to give us wisdom. Before, and he's kind of transitioning now out of just talking about wisdom and he is emphasizing where he emphasized the, the importance of wisdom, emphasized that we have to seek after wisdom. We need to value wisdom. He emphasized the fact that wisdom only comes from God. He emphasized the fact that wisdom is going to be of the same nature as God. And now he's getting down to the rubber meets the road. He's giving us that wisdom. He is passing that on, passing that baton to his son and for us. And he starts with five principles. Five principles. He kind of elevates these. He gives us five principles and then he turns back to the emphasizing of wisdom. But let me show you these principles. <clears throat> Look at verse 3. That's where he starts. He says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. First principle. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. Verse 11, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord. Now, those are five principles. And then in verse 13, he goes back. He says, how blessed is the man who finds wisdom. He goes back to emphasizing the importance of wisdom. He always keeps coming back to that. But he throws out there these five principles. And I wonder why. I mean, I just, I think Solomon is no dummy. We know that. He's the wisest man. But I think he throws out these five because I think these are fundamental principles. These are kind of the building blocks maybe of the rest of the book. And things seem to flow from these five. And we'll be looking at these five principles in the next few weeks. These are golden nuggets. This is the value that we are to, to seek after. These are the very building blocks of our life. We may say these are the seed thoughts, seed principles that grow into wisdom, wisdom of our lives. These are fundamental principles that we as Christians that must become, as Christians, they must become second nature to us. They must become part of our DNA, just part of the makeup of what it is to be a believer. That's what this is. These are our thoughts that govern our lives. Solomon has been building up for the past two chapters. He's just telling us how important wisdom is, how important it is to implement these things into our life. And and he, he does it actually in the first two verses here. He rises to the climax right here. In these two verses. We're just going to look at the first two verses today. Uh, and, and here's what I want us to see. Here's what I want. These two verses, the first two verses that are read. I want you to see that, that there is a connection between us and, and Solomon. This is not just some random thoughts here that we as, as Christians, we must establish ourselves into Solomon's teaching. As Christians, I believe that we must adhere to Solomon's teaching or the words of Solomon, these principles, just as much as we would the rest of Scripture, just as much as we would if Paul's teaching. You say, why is it so important? Well, he gives us two reasons here in these two verses. And I want us to see that. Look at verse 1. Here's the first principle. These are the governing principles of our lives 
so that we may please God. If we are going to please God, folks, it's going to be by these principles that he lays out for us. Now look at verse 1. He says, My son, do not for, forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now, he does parallel statements here. Two statements, two commands, but really there's one idea, and that's a tool that a lot of the Proverbs are based upon. You have two parallel statements, but they contrast and compare But when blended together, there's essentially one thought. And it's a tool that Solomon is using to to teach his son. He has two commands here. The first command is, do not forget. Do not forget. And that the idea of forget is to dismiss it. Just kind of let it go as, as though it's not important. And we do that, don't we? We forget. We have to be reminded. I know I do. I do. My poor wife, I don't know how many times, if I had a nickel for every time, I told you, and it doesn't matter that it was five days ago, I'm supposed to remember. She tells me these things and I forget. I just kind of, they're not that important to me. And so I dismiss them or I just get on about my business and I just, I just plain forget. And he says, he says, don't forget. Don't forget my teaching. But the second verb, look at this, the second verb in the last part of the verse 1, he says, but let your heart, let your heart keep. That's the verb. Let your heart keep my commandments. Now, it's the same idea, but he adds on, he builds onto it, and you would expect him to say, don't forget, okay, that's the first one, but in contrast to not forgetting is what? Remembering. Just remember. But he's adding to that statement of just remembering. He's not saying, okay, I just want you to recall what I said. No, he goes beyond that. And he says, let your heart keep. They have to just be in the front of your mind. They have to be so important to you that you're implementing them into your life on a constant basis, on a daily basis, as opposed to just just recalling them from time to time. No, they're there. They're, they're, you're implementing these things into your life. And that's what he's pleading here. That they become second nature. They become routine to his son. They become just a habit, a reaction. And and they begin to govern his thoughts and govern his actions, govern his decisions. That's the idea here. And he says, he says, don't forget. He says, keep, let your heart keep them. What? My teachings, my commandments. Now, the word teaching there is the same word. It could be translated law, the Torah. It's the same root word. And we use laws. Laws are good. They are good things for us because they restrict our flesh. And our flesh needs to be restricted uh, from time to time. They keep us from just being wild and out of control and hurting ourselves or hurting people. If I'm going down the road at 100 miles an hour, even if the policemen are not around, I have that law in my mind, I shouldn't be going so fast. And so I'm looking for policemen. I know you know what I'm talking about. You're being convicted in your own hearts, even though you're not caught, you just know that. 
Why? Because that law binds our conscience. We're governed by that law, right? You, you, you get that idea. Then Solomon is saying, let my conscience or let my principles be the guiding principles for your life. Let my principles be your guiding conscience, we might say. And he says, let my principles. And it's well known. I mean, he's already established the fact that his principles came from God. He had taken God's principles, implemented them into his life, and he is now passing God's principles, and as he's lived them out, he is now passing them on to his son, and he's saying, son, take these, I want these to be a part of your life. Your reactions, your thoughts, your governing every decision. And, And essentially, that's the core of wisdom, isn't it? It's essentially someone who knows is passing that wisdom down to someone who needs to know. In this case, this is, uh, in true wisdom, this is God's advice, we might say, or God's principles passed down to His Son. That's a wonderful thing. That, that means uh, uh, the world of difference. Because here, and so this is, becomes a good working definition. I want you to see that. Go on to the next slide there, Donna. This is a working definition. Wisdom, then, is the application of godly principles for the production of a godly life for the glory of God. I want you to see that. Wisdom is the application of godly principles. He has to tell us what these principles are. These come from God and... We implement them into our lives to produce a godly life for the glory of God. Okay? You've got that. Now let me tell you how that differs from the world's wisdom. It differs in three ways. There's a difference here between our wisdom or the world's wisdom and and God's wisdom. It's a different goal. The world's wisdom doesn't care about the glory of God. We, on the other hand, God's wisdom cares about the glory of God. That's what true wisdom is. It must care about the pleasing God. The world's wisdom is just benefiting man, pleasing man. Man is kind of the center. It's different in content as well. A different content. God's wisdom, God's advice is His principles. And His principles don't fail. His principles are absolute. They're, they're not relative. The world's wisdom is, is relative. It, it, it changes from culture to culture. It changes from people to people. And they, what's good for you may not be good for me. But God's principles are absolute. Now, let me just clarify this and help you understand. God says, honor your father and, and mother. Right? We take that. That's a principle. Now, that might look different in American culture than it does in Chinese culture or, uh, you know, countries in Africa. It may look different, but the principle remains the same. The principle remains the same. It doesn't change. There's principles here. And God's, no matter what culture, these principles are to be implemented into our life. They're absolutes. But it's also a difference in focus. The world's focus on their wisdom is is more of just a full head of knowledge just just to be you know just to kind of puff our heads up or to impress people or to become rich that's the world's wisdom to become happier god's wisdom the focus of god's wisdom is on godly behavior okay that's different 
We have to change and adjust our thinking to that, to that definition of, of wisdom. We live by God's wisdom, and God's wisdom is to glorify Him. It has, it is using His principles, and it's for His glory for, uh, to, to produce a godly life. Now, let's apply this. It is, it is God's word. It, it is God's wisdom. And Solomon is saying, don't dismiss this. Don't just let this go. This is principles, and so often, I believe, and just by way of application, we tend to do that. We, we tend to just dismiss this. We may say, oh, that's just the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to us. Or that's just for the Judaism. That's just for Judaism. It doesn't apply to us. Because we are in the church age. We are under the new covenant. Or we may say, oh, that was a 1500 years ago and you have a king and he's trying to get his son to, to obey him and, and so that doesn't have anything to do with me. And, and we can just easily dismiss it. And you see that all the time, people dismissing these principles, particularly in the book of Proverbs. We're pretty good at that. But here's the difference. If we want to please God, we have to implement these. We have to not dismiss them. This is, this is the very word of God. This is, the, the Holy Spirit has taken the Proverbs, these words that Solomon has written down. He has superintended them and he has placed them in scripture. They are part of the word of God. It's the same word. The same word as we have in the New Testament. This is the same word that the Jews recognized as the very word of God. This is the same word that Israel was to, to teach their children as they uh, went to bed or as they woke up in the morning, as they went through their day. They were to teach these principles to their children. This is the very word that the, the godly man in Psalm chapter 1, he meditates on day and night. Same, same principles. These are the same principles that Jesus lived out in his life to the perfect degree. And we would call it righteousness. We took on his righteousness and he took on our sin. And he lived them out to the perfect degree. And Christ himself recognized that this is the word of God. This whole New Testament that we have is based upon the Old Testament. Our theology, the definition, our understanding of God and who he is, is based upon this Old Testament Acts chapter 17, the Bereans, they checked Paul's teaching. Why? They would go back to the Old Testament and see if these things were so. They checked Paul's teaching based upon the Word of God. The same Word. And Paul even said in Romans chapter 15, he says, those things that were written aforetime, beforehand, he says, those were uh, written for your instruction, pointing to the Old Testament. Now, this is, this is important. We cannot easily dismiss this. It's the same word that Paul told Timothy. He says, Timothy, what you have read in the past, those things in the Old Testament were wise unto salvation. They helped you to understand salvation. They brought you to understanding of salvation. And also, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the, the same word that Paul says, Timothy, I want you to preach the word. Our New Testament was printed uh, or they had at that time. And they were preaching from the Old Testament. And much of that would be the book of Proverbs. We cannot, we have to be very careful about 
dismissing. We cannot easily dismiss this word. And Solomon is telling his son, don't do it. You say, well, man, we'd never dismiss God's word, right? That's what we'd say. But what about our practice? We went to a church last Sunday. And I'm sure it was a good church. And I don't want to besmirch this church. We had a wonderful song service. Five or six songs. The pastor gets up and finally opens his, his Bible. And we get our Bibles out and we're expecting a, you know, a sermon from, from him. And he decides, oh, let's sing another song. So we sang another song. Then he says, you know, I think I'm just going to share my testimony today. He did not read one word of Scripture the whole time. Now, but uh, listen, I would agree with everything that he said. It was all good. And by the time, by the end, we would be hugging each other. It was a good kind of family fellowship time. But it wasn't the Word. The Word was not dispensed. And the Word it was dismissed even on that religious context. And you think... How could he do that? But he probably just, it wasn't just part of his thinking. I don't know. I don't know. But it is the word of God that brings us, that, that brings wisdom to us. It is the word of God that feeds our soul. It is the word of God that grows us up spiritually. It's not the, just the influence of other people. It's not the, the joy of being together and having those kind of family kind of moments. It's the word of God that as we move through and meditate on this word, it begins to change our lives as we implement these things into our lives. And we become like a mighty oak tree, just small incremental growth as we grow. And so we need to be like the Thessalonians who recognized when Paul came and Paul preached the word to them, they recognized, they said this, they said, we recognize this is not the word of man, this is the word of God. We need to recognize the book of Proverbs and even the Old Testament. This is the word of God. And we have a whole generation, folks, and and you think I'm just kidding, but we have a whole generation that would love to just detach ourselves from that traditional book, that Old Testament. We have to be very careful. Do not buy into that kind of thinking. And so Solomon is teaching Uh, Solomon's teaching is so important because these are the governing principles of our lives so that we may please God. That's the point. We can please God. Please God. Number two, these are the governing principles that bring the greatest peace to our lives for God's glory. They bring peace to our lives. Look at verse 2. So what he says. For length of days. So he says, I want you to remember. I want you to implement them. Put them uh, in your heart. So they govern you. My teaching. My commandments. I want you to do all that for. For length of days and years of life. And peace they will add to you. Now, Solomon is not saying if you do these things. Now, again, by the way. It's a teaching element. You have two thoughts. He's going to combine those two thoughts. And you have one thought. And he just splits them up so that you can analyze them a little bit better. But the one thought, we may come away from it saying, boy, if we adhere to God's word then and God's principles, we're going to have a long life. That's what we might conclude. But he's not really talking about that. Now, he's essentially saying in your long life, you will have peace. Now, there is an element to this idea. If we, if we use God's principles to restrain the flesh, 
like I was talking about earlier, we begin to restrain the the flesh, we will tend to live longer. (laughs) If I restrain my flesh and don't eat as much as I would like to eat, or if I restrain my flesh in going 100 miles an hour, I might live a little bit longer. Just restraining. Now, but that's not what he's talking about. I mean, Jacob in the Old Testament, he lived 130 years. Man, that's a long time. But he said, these are miserable years, unpleasant years. What Solomon is talking about here is, and peace will be added to those long years that you have. Peace will be added. How do those peace, how do we get that peace? By living out these biblical principles that are laid out in Solomon's teaching here, the word peace there means completeness, soundness, not shallow lives, not empty lives, but but lives of completeness, lives of, of peace. He's talking about quality of life here. There's a richness to our lives, purpose and joy and fulfillment in our lives. And you say, why does God care about the contentment? Of our lives or the, the quality of our lives that, that we live with peace. I want you to turn over to the passage that was read for us in first Timothy, first Timothy chapter two. Now here's a principle that we see in the Old Testament and we see it in the New Testament as well. First Timothy chapter two and verse one, he's uh, Paul is saying, now, I want you to pray and I want you to pursue prayer, pursue prayer, pray for everyone. Verse 2, he says, for kings and for all who are in authority, so that you may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Godliness and dignity. He says, I want you to pray for that. Pursue that. So that, pursue what? A quiet and tranquil life. That's peace. That's this life of peace, right? From, that we see in the Old Testament. Why? In all godliness and dignity. In that peace time, not in persecution time, but in those peace times, those long years of our lives, we can live peaceably. Why? Because it helps to see God's principles being implemented into our lives and we live godly lives. Our lives then point to God. That's the point. And there's uh, dignity... Uh, a lifting up of our lives, he, he calls it, a high position. That's the word. As we pursue this life of peace and living out, implementing these principles of godly living and wise living into our lives, that brings a, a dignity to our lives. And we lift it lifts us up above the common fray of this world. Why? Because that puts godliness on display. It all points to God. As, as we live out wisdom, that's the purpose. That's It's not about us. It's not about us. In fact, look at verse 3. This is good and acceptable. This is what God wants in the sight of God and our Savior. Who, this is verse 4, it puts it in the context here, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of that's it. This is in the context of evangelism. As we live out wisdom in our lives, he he lifts us above the the common fray. These principles, these wisdom principles in our life, they lift us up so that people see that and it points to God for the purpose of evangelism. It will draw people to Him. Purpose of evangelism. 
I think you get the point. This is as a result of wisdom being added to, if you look back at verse 2 in Proverbs, length of days and peace will be added to you. It's a result of wisdom. As a result of wisdom, there's a peace then to our life. There's an orderness to our life that uh, God can use to draw people to himself in evangelism. We are to live godly lives. We're to live godly lives. And we live godly lives by the wisdom that are that is implemented into our lives. A life without God's wisdom, a life without God's wisdom, is really kind of a, just a flippant life. And unfortunately, I see so many Christians that, that live that kind of life. They, they really have no purpose. They have no direction in their life. It, it is kind of shallow and hollow and, and empty. And it essentially just conforms to the world, the world's ways of thinking. And they become consumers. Life is all about me. I'm going to get as much as I can. I'm going to do as much as I can. It's about me. In that kind of life, then, the way I spend my time, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. The words that come out of my mouth... It doesn't matter. It's about me. The values that I hold to, it's about me. It doesn't really matter. The relationships that I have, the way I raise my children, any order to my life, it doesn't really matter. But when you implement God's purposes and God's wisdom, then the words that come out of our mouth do matter. Why? Because we're trying to please God. We want to please and glorify Him. Our time that we spend on this earth does matter. The values that we hold matter. The relationships that we hold, the way we raise our children, all of that matters. Why? Because it points to God and His glory. The godly life is so important. And I believe that we have a generation that, that has reacted and responded to this legalism, and rightly so. But now it seems like we have no principles, no governing principles in our life. We just kind of chuck the baby out with the bathwater. And we need to re-implement, reintroduce ourselves to this book, this book of Proverbs, so that we can live out godly principles. And let me tell you, it's hard on our children. Again, by way of application. Many of our children, they raise, we're raised in a godly home. They go out and they get bombarded by the world's wisdom and it's so much easier to accept the world's wisdom. In fact, let me show you. Turn over to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 10. Second Chronicles chapter 10. At the end of verse, end of chapter 9, Solomon passes away. He dies. And in chapter 10, his son, okay, Remember, we're just in Proverbs chapter 3, and he says, My son, I want you to adhere to these principles. The son that he's talking to is Rehoboam. Solomon passes away. Rehoboam's now on the throne. And Rehoboam uh, gets some advice. He's, he's asking the people. He goes out, how should I govern you? And, and the people are talking back, and he's making this decision. In verse 6, he says this, then King Rehoboam consulted with the older or the elders who were um, who had served with his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, "How do I cons- how do I counsel 
How do you counsel me to answer this people? And they spoke to him saying, if you will be kind to this people. Now we'll come back to that as one of the first principles, if you remember. And please them and speak good words to them. Then they will be your servants forever. Listen, good advice here. Good advice from the older people. They served with Solomon. They knew how Solomon think. And they're going to give this advice to, to the son. Hey, how would you like me to, to serve? And they say, well, here's the way you do it. But look at verse 8. But he forsook the counsel of the elders, which he had, which they had given him, and consulted with what? The young men who grew up with him and served him. It's so much easier to take the, the advice of the, the people you grew up with and, and just the advice of, of the world essentially at that time. And that's exactly what he did. And the result of that, the result of that decision was the, the splitting of the kingdom. Up to that point, Israel was unified. And after this, it was, it was split. It was di- divided into two kingdoms because of this one decision. Because this one son did not obey or did not adhere to, and he dismissed the teaching of his teachings of his father. And I'm afraid that our children that are being raised in godly homes, they get out in the world and they get bombarded by the world's wisdom and they don't know how to handle that. And we have to lay out for them, this is what we're living for, for the glory of God. If you take that out of the picture, we're in real trouble. But we live life for the glory of God. We adhere to principles for the glory of God. And it's not really about us. It's, it's about bringing glory to God for the purpose of evangelism, allowing God to use us in however way He chooses. But it's so much easier to just go away, go the way of the flesh. Go away, go the way of the counsel of the ungodly. And we need to prepare this generation, our next generation, our children, to be able to, to handle and understand how important it is that these principles... In fact, our heart bleeds for Solomon, doesn't it? Because he's pleading with his son, isn't he? Don't forget. Let your heart keep. This is for your good and for God's glory. And we can identify with that. So we adhere to Solomon's teaching because these are the governing principles that, that will bring the greatest peace to our lives. And as Christians, as Christians, we cannot just dismiss this and just say, oh, well, that's Solomon, that's the Old Testament, that's the Jews, it has nothing to do with us. But let me tell you just the opposite. As Christians, we must adhere to Solomon's words just as much as the rest of Scripture, folks. These are the very principles that Jesus walked out in his worked out in his own life. Now, let me go back to the original question. What governs your life? What principles govern your life? Is it have you dismissed the Old Testament? Have you dismissed some godly rich teaching? Because of uh, just, well, it's just easier to go the way of the world. It's easier to accept the world's teaching. What's governing you? This is just your own self-pleasure, your own happiness. Make decisions based upon that. You say, well, no, we have some. We have the Ten Commandments. We have morals. Yeah, that's good. Solomon's saying, no, we need to live by wisdom. Not just the Ten Commandments. Of course, Ten Commandments are in there. 
Do we just live for others, people-pleasing? Or maybe conservative thought. That's kind of a big one today. Folks, we've got to go beyond conservative thought or liberal thought. We have to adhere to this word, to God's word. Here's, let me just challenge you. These are wonderful principles in the book of Proverbs. I encourage you to a couple things. Number one, you have to be here. I really encourage you through this series as we walk through these principles. I encourage you, be here. Listen to this. Let me expound these passages for you, these principles for you. Then number two, I would encourage you throughout the week, read these principles. Read them. Let them get into your mind. Let them then become just part of your thinking. And it will be well with you. You will have a a life that can glorify and please God. Your priorities will become straightened up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for again for this word. Lord, I pray for us as a body. We call ourselves a Bible church. But yet it's so easy just to live like the world. And and just so easy to dismiss, to, to act like you haven't spoken on particular matters. It's just so easy for us to just adopt our thinking from the world's thinking. Lord, may we not do that. May our thoughts be so saturated with Scripture that becomes second nature to us, part of our DNA, part of who we are as believers. May the world see a consistency among the body of Christ that it doesn't see now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.